Hebrews 1, 3, verse 3, describes Jesus. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. We need to see him. That's what this prayer is so desperately about. Paul had been able to get to know these people in Ephesus. He had been able to share with them the hope of his life, Jesus Christ. And he had seen them take that first step of meeting Jesus. And he desperately wanted them not only to take that first step, but that it may be the first step of many steps that continue forward until that last step from life as we know it into life as it is for all of eternity. A relationship with a living God through Christ. So as we look at this prayer and this desire of Paul for this church in Ephesus, and I believe for the church wherever it meets, us here at Kingsway or, or wherever the church of Christ meets, this is a longing, a desire that has to be first on the list. The priority. Um, it, it's interesting here. Uh, in Colossians 3.16, he tells us, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Then you go back to Ephesians, the chapter before this, Ephesians 3, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22. It says, And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which Christ lives by his spirit. You see, in a very real sense, the Bible tells us that when we say yes to Jesus Christ and he enters our lives, provides salvation and forgiveness, that at that moment we are indwelt by the living God and the Spirit of God has set up his home inside of each of us. We, in one very real sense, are the church. I look at you, I see the church, I see the church, I see the church. Why? Because Jesus lives in you, not just in the place we meet. He lives in us. But also, he says that I'm praying that he may dwell in you. Um, in verses 18 and 19, he says, I pray that you know the love of Christ. You go to the book of 1 John throughout most of the book of chapters 3 and 4, over and over again. He says, if you belong to him, you will love one another. And he says, if you don't love one another, you don't belong to. So, you know, which is it? There's this back and forth. Do we have the love of Christ? Are we seeking the love of Christ? Do we know the love of Christ? Colossians 2.9, he says, For in Christ... All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And yet Paul tells us in this prayer, I'm praying for you that you may have the fullness of Christ. 
So here's the question, guys. Why is Paul praying fervently that believers get what they already have? You already have it, so why do you need it? Well, the obvious answer is simply this. It's one thing to believe something here, to have the facts in your head. It's something else for those facts to bring life change, to reach the heart, to reach the entire person, and to be transformed, to be changed. We are to experience Christ. That's what Paul's praying for. Man, I want you to, I want you to have a Christ experience. Um, today is the birthday of uh, my uh, longest friendship. Um, we met in kindergarten and been friends all these years. And today's this guy's birthday, and he's, uh, it was funny. Um, we had a lot of fun together through the years growing up. And uh, his family was very wealthy, and I knew that, but the only time I ever saw any of that wealth was I don't know what inspired his dad to do this, but we decided we were going to go to the beach, and his dad said, I want you guys to be safe, so I'm going to give you a credit card. What? We're 16, maybe 17. So being the mature young men that we were, first thing we did was stop at Dairy Queen and see how much we could eat. Just kept ordering the food. Well, I, I guess it's no wonder why uh, my friend never saw another credit card <laughs> from a loving dad. And yet, uh, through all these years, his dad recently died, and this friend of mine inherited a lot of, of uh, wealth, of, of money. Now, you know, I, I got to thinking about this. Uh, I know if he got in a real pinch, because I never... I don't know how much access he had to any of this wealth, to be quite honest with you. I, d I didn't see evidence of it. I do know that if he got into you know, trouble, I'm sure his uh, wealthy dad would have stepped in and to bail him out. And I'm sure there were probably times through the years he disagreed about maybe needing a little bit of those resources that were sitting somewhere but were not completely accessible to him. But now, a big portion of that wealth has been transferred over directly to my friend. And I thought about us in the Christian life. We are wealthy beyond belief. And we have an inheritance. We have an inheritance that awaits us in heaven. When we take that last breath and we make the transition from here to eternity, where we will be with Him forever. Then we will see the, the, the vastness of the wealth, of the inheritance. But here's the thing, guys. Even though we do not see the vastness of the inheritance we have, we still have a Heavenly Father who sees us. We still see a Heavenly Father whose presence is always with us, and He knows where we are, and He will come to us and provide what is needed out of that vast inheritance when it is necessary, when we truly need it. Because He knows better than we do, and He provides it. But here's the thing. Many in the body of Christ, they have received the great inheritance by trusting Jesus Christ. They belong to Him. 
that inheritance awaits when they die, but they don't understand that their heavenly Father wants to meet their needs now. Wants them to walk in the fullness of the blessings of Jesus Christ. We tend to, to live for scraps instead of really feast at the table of the Lord. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a preacher of long ago, and he did a lot of counseling. And Dr. Jones used to say when troubled Christians would come in to see him, he would ask, are you really a Christian? And the person would usually say, well, I'm trying. And Dr. Jones would respond, well, you just show, have shown me that you don't even understand the first principle of what it means to truly be a Christian, to be in Christ, because you are not able to try hard enough to be saved. You are not seeking to impress God. He went to the cross for you. He died for you. So it is a standing not based upon you trying. It is a standard based on God accomplished. God finished the work. He saved us. Jones went on to explain. He, he said, so if I you know, explain to the person what I meant uh, you know, about this trying issue instead of resting on the standing of Christ, if he said, oh, I already knew that, then um, he understood there was another problem. If they didn't know that, well, the rascal's just not saved, has not given their heart to Christ. But if he did know that, it simply means that although he has a heavenly father who wants to respond, he's not walking with that father. His spiritual life is not operative. It is not at work. There is not the connection. The prayer starts out in verse 14. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father. Now, to kneel was not the typical posture of prayer, although people did kneel. Typically, it was a posture of, of standing. But when something was critical, when something was intense, then the natural posture was to kneel, was to bow in the presence of God, was to humble oneself completely before Him. You see, many of us, we think, well, I've got a financial problem or, or I have a relational problem or we can define the different types of problems we have. But the biggest problem, ultimately, that we have is that we don't have this understanding that we have a Father who is with us and who completely and intimately loves us and He is taking care of us and He will direct us and we do not try to fix it, but we seek Him so that He is able to to show his riches in our lives. Now, in Psalm 88, the psalmist talks about struggle, talks about suffering. Here's how the psalm closes. Psalm 88, 18, he says, You've taken my loved ones and close friends from me. Darkness is 
my closest friends. Man, nobody likes pain, and yet pain is often God's major way to communicate to us, to get our attention, to put us in the proper frame of mind where we will really listen and respond unto Him. And typically what happens is most churches, they either preach, God is able to help you in your pain and in your struggle, and you must be obedient, and you must be a person of the Word and follow the Word. And, and yes, that is true. But there is not much thought about the joy of the Lord, of the worship of the Lord, of an experience of Christ that just brings glory down here. And both are needed. Both are needed. And then you have the other extreme in, in some churches. Man, they're jumping around, celebrating, but there's no room for suffering. Well, the reason you're suffering is you don't have enough joy of the Lord. You're not worshiping hard enough. You, you, you're not excited enough about Him. Hey, listen, both need to be there. God speaks to us through the dark times, but God also speaks to us through the joyful times, whether it's spiritual famine or whether it's spiritual feasting. In both cases, we need Christ. We need Him. So let, let's describe it. Verse 16, he says, I pray out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power. Now, he wants to strengthen with power and whatever your faith assumptions are, whatever your commitments are, whatever your understanding of God is to you, this will lead to what you actually do. And so this first prayer is that the Holy Spirit will enter and will empower. Empower us to do what? Well, to grasp and to know. He says that they may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So what, what's he saying here? He's saying, I am praying that you will have such an experience with Jesus Christ that he becomes as real to you as any other person, even more so than his love and approval is of your parents or, or your children or any other person, but that he becomes reality to you. And I want to share, these are just several experiences through history of people. One, D.L. Moody, who was an evangelist in the 1800s, and there's a story, D.L. Moody, he's walking down New York City, and all of a sudden, God just starts blessing him. I mean, he, he just starts getting full of the joy of the Lord. And I mean, he, he, he just starts weeping. He, he starts laughing. He, he, and finally says, God, stop! You're just blessing me too much. I can't take it. And Moody said, it, it was unbearable. Here's another experience. George Whitfield. Often at night, he would be trying to sleep. And he said, at times, God would pour out His love so clearly 
Daddy couldn't sleep. He would worship. He'd celebrate. And he said he remembered one night God came upon him so clearly in the fullness of the Lord. Blessed him so much. And he said, okay, God, I got to get some sleep. Could you stop? <laughs> Here's another one. Pascal. Blaise Pascal. They found um, after his death sewed in the lining of his coat a part of his diary that he had ripped out and he wanted it to be so close to him, he had sewed it into the lining of his coat. And he had written of an experience from God that lasted two hours in the middle of the night where the love of God consumed him like a raging fire. And he said in the diary entry that it was such a moving experience that he never again doubted his salvation or God's presence or God's power in his life. Here's another one, Teresa of Avila. She was in the 1600s, and here's what um, she had written in her diary about an experience she had with God. This prayer was a glorious foolishness, a heavenly madness. I was bewildered and inebriated in his love. My soul desired to cry out and was beside itself. It could not bear so much joy. These are people spread out over the centuries. Men and, and, and women. And, and I'll tell you of an experience I had years ago. I was um, trying to make a decision. I didn't know what to do. And you know, so often, isn't that the case? We don't know what to do. And so we seek God. And I thought, well, I'm just going to go to the, the church and I'll go in my study early one morning and and pray, you know. So I get to the church, and I start praying, and guys, God showed up. And for over an hour, I just wept. God was there. And he, he made clear to me in that instance what I needed to do. But his presence was overwhelming that it, it led me to tears. All right, a third petition here. Um, he says in the prayer that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Fullness of God in the scriptures means a fullness of life. Paul is praying here that these believers will have an emotional experience, but it will be more than an emotional experience. It will actually change them. They will become different people. They will learn to rely moment by moment on the Lord Jesus Christ. We preachers can be funny people. Sometimes when we're preaching, and you know, we would love to see God move. We understand it's God moving, but you know, we might look out there and see somebody crying and it makes us happy. We say, shouldn't be happy that I'm crying. Well, the hope is, is that God's got a hold of a heart tugged on the heart, and, and the crying is an understanding. Man, I need God. I need God in my life. You know, when you get to the Sermon on the Mount, he starts out, he said, Blessed are those who know they're spiritually poor. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. So the picture here is you got to start out by understanding you're bankrupt spiritually. You don't have anything to offer to God that is going to pay for your sins. You just don't. And then the next verse, he said, Blessed are those who mourn, for God will comfort 
So what is, what's he saying there? He says, so that you have, you have tears of repentance, knowing that our God is a merciful God and that our God will respond to our tears. Okay, so how do we receive it? How do we receive it? Well, first, prayerful seeking. Man, this, this is not something that's a formula. It is not a to-do list. It is not, let me give you four steps that will dramatically change your life. It's none of that stuff. It's a gift from God. It is something that God alone can give. Hudson Taylor, uh, the missionary to China, they found a bookmark in his Bible, um, and the story goes that he would not only read his Bible each day and focus on a verse and prayer, but he would, throughout the day, he would read the words on his bookmark. Here's the words. Lord Jesus, make thyself to me a living, bright reality. Man, what a, what a great prayer. Lord, help me see you are reality. Not all this other stuff, not all of this struggle, not all of my weakness, not even the strength I see around me, but the true reality is you, Lord Jesus, and continue to move in me that I may know, that I may know your will, Lord. Secondly is an aggressive wrestling. When he says to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, that word grasp is kind of a weird word. It means to overtake someone, to wrestle them to the ground, and to rob them. It was used to plunder a city. And, and what he's talking about here is not, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to chase you down. God, I'm going to take you down, and I'm going to pin you. No! It's not talking about that. That would be foolish anyway, wouldn't it? But what it is referring to is to have that type of passion toward the promises of God, toward the truth of God and toward the powerful message of the gospel. That I'm going to wrestle with this, and that I'm going to aggressively seek the truth of God to penetrate my heart, so that each day I live the gospel. So that each day I respond to the gospel. So that each day I may see the gospel. Each day. Each day. I love 2 Corinthians 1.20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. You say, well, I know. I know Jesus loves me. I hear it all the time. Every time it seems like every time I hear you all talk about Jesus loves me. But do you have the spiritual power and confidence to think and reason and apply and pray until you get the riches out? Do you have a holy discontent? Do you want more? Do you want Him? Is, is, there, is there a longing for that? There's a picture in Isaiah 49, 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she's born? You know, what a picture of a loving mom 
how precious that little one is to her, is it possible she will turn her back on her little one? God says at the end of that verse, though she may forget, heartbreaking, but it's happened. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. So what's he saying? The deepest kind of love that we understand here or that we see through other relationships that are so powerful and, and sacrificial. And he says, even those are inferior do not measure up to the fullness of the love of Jesus Christ. And we are to live each day grasping, wrestling, desiring to know the reality of that love and living in the depth of that love and how powerful and how precious and how awesome that love truly is. We are broken people and and so much of the time we do not live in the fullness of the love of Christ. We do not live out of the abundance of His riches, but we live as paupers. We live as those who are totally impoverished. We're on a type of spiritual welfare and we are looking for our strength somewhere else instead of in God. And Paul is saying, I want you to know Christ experientially. It's something that has to be done not just one at a time, but together. Look, look what he says um, in his word here. I'm going to start at 17, verse 17. says, I pray you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of of God, and that you, uh, in verse 18, together with all the saints. Guys, he wants us to have this, but we don't do it like the Lone Ranger. We don't do it apart from one another. He says, together with all the saints. When we come together in Sunday school or Hopefully, when we come together soon in our K groups and, and we listen. And, you know, like in Sunday school this morning, you know, sometimes I tend to talk too much. wonder why I preach it, right? So I'm thinking, I need to listen more. And I'm blessed when I do. When I hear what the other people say, God speaks to me. The presence of Christ it touches me through the people that are there, the other people that are around. And God does that. This is something that happens not just me and Him, but us and Him. As he begins to work, as he begins to teach us, as he walks through us. And I'm grateful. Matter of fact, we had our first facilitator or host training, Scott led this morning, and it, it, was, it was a real blessing. So I'm looking forward. Guys, pray about signing up, being a part of the K groups. I think it'll be a real blessing for all of us uh, as that's coming pretty soon, a couple weeks. So remember that. Be in prayer. All right. Last, this has to be Christ-centered. It has to be based upon Christ. He's sitting here, he's thinking, oh man, how wide and long and high and deep. It's just, his mind's about to explode as he's trying to think about the love of God. Trying to, trying to get a handle on, on how awesome and how, how deep that love of God is. And he's meditating on that and, he, and how powerful it is and 
You know, it says in the book of Revelation that we're going to sing to the Lamb of God and we're going to say, Lord, you bought us for yourself from every tribe and nation. And we're all going to be up there, no matter our differences, we will be bound together through Jesus Christ, sharing and singing and worshiping for all of time. Jesus said, when I be lifted up, I will draw all to me, all people to me. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's Christ. When Christ is lifted up, we come together. When Christ is lifted up, others come in. When, when Christ is lifted up, life changes. In the book Epic, John Eldridge writes, every good story comes from the story. But listen to his words here. He says, for when we were born, we were born into the midst of a great story begun before the dawn of time. A story of adventure, risk, loss, heroism, and betrayal. A story where good is warring against evil, danger lurks around every corner, and glorious deeds wait to be done. Think of all those stories you've ever loved. There's a reason they stirred your heart. They've been trying to tell you about the true epic ever since you were young. There's a larger story, and you have a crucial role. The reason our hearts are moved by the story is because of the story. And you know what? You have a role in the story. He died for you. His vast love that we can't fully comprehend dies is for you. Listen to this quote from Charles Spurgeon. Jesus looked down at the people from the cross and saw rejection and ridicule. In the greatest act of all, he looked at them and stayed. Look, Jesus, as he's looking down, he's, he's being spit at, he's being ridiculed, he's, he's being mocked, he's being humiliated. I cannot imagine the, the, the power and, and the love uh, that God himself, he's looking down at, at sinners who deserve the judgment of God, who, who deserve to be blasted, who, who, who deserve to be tormented, who, who deserve to receive the justice of, of what they're doing, of, of the crimes they're, they're committing before him. But Jesus hung up on the cross, and while all this was going on, he stayed! Do you get it? He stayed. And no matter what you face, no matter what will happen, no matter where you've been, no matter, he stays. Our God does not leave. He does not abandon us. He is with us and we can trust him. That is the message of the cross, of the love of Christ. And Paul says, I want you to know it. And so do I. I want to know that. I want to, to pray that way. I want to walk that way. I want to live that way. I want to believe that way. I want that to be my reality. And I want that to be Kingsway Baptist Church. In the church of Christ. May God do such a work in us, guys. Let me close with the last two verses. Dave was telling me this morning, verse 20 is his life verse. It's a great verse. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more then all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations 
forever and ever. I do like that. We think, well, I just don't know. How are we going to get that done? How's this going to happen? And Paul says, hey, we're talking about him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can think or even imagine. I can dream pretty big. But Paul makes the clear statement, no matter how big you can dream, God is immeasurably more. That's what he wants to do among us. Then he is at work within us. And it's to him be the glory. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, including ours. Let's pray. God, uh, thank you for this prayer of Paul and this desire he has still for us, Lord, to know Christ, to experience Christ, to see Christ. And, Father, it's never-ending, Lord. I find myself constantly wanting to block my view of you, Lord. Forgive me, God. I pray for all of us in the days ahead that we will see you. God, that you'll move among us, Lord, that the presence of Christ will be real and we'll begin to get a, a, a deeper understanding and handle on, on how deep and, and how high and, and wide, long, and all that stuff, Lord, of, of your love, Lord, the depth of that love. And, and Father, may it be a reality in us and may it be a reality shared with others, Lord, and, and just do what you want to do, God. That's what we're asking. In this time that we call invitation or response, we give it to you, Lord. As we sing, as we respond, just do what you want. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please stand for our invitation. We're singing, Here I Am.